Hi there, it's another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we want to take a look at something that I think has caught a lot of people's attention of late because of all the uncertainty that's swirling out there. Gold has been on a bit of a run, hasn't it? Gold has been on a tear. In fact, gold hit a new all-time high, and the previous time it was up in this rarefied air was back in 2012. So gold is really on a tear lately. So is it is it just because of, of the pandemic and all the uncertainty surrounding it? And I think underlying that is the money that's being spent by governments that's driving some of this, isn't it? Well, you've really nailed it, Gord, because central banks have either printed or created new debt in the order of tens of trillions of dollars. Now, we're not just talking about the United States. We're talking about Canada. We're talking about Europe. We're talking about Japan. We're talking about China. So virtually every central bank has just unleashed their printing presses, and typically that leads to inflation. Now, there's a couple of other reasons which I'll just uh, give some honorable mention to. The other one is the fact that interest rates are approaching zero. So if you were terrified about what was going on in the markets previously, what you would tend to do is you would go buy government bonds. If you could get interest rates of 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 percent, you would happily sit there in a government bond, collect your interest, and wait for the markets to correct themselves or inflation to bear itself out or whatever calamity you thought was going to take place in the marketplace, bonds were historically a safe place to sit it out. But when you've got interest rates approaching zero, and of course, when governments are adding to their bonds in a tremendous rate, all of a sudden you have to be concerned about, wait a minute, am I even going to get paid back? So because gold doesn't pay anything, doesn't have any interest, uh, it's been looked at as an asset where you can buy it, but you need, a, you need capital appreciation. Well, now, since the alternative of bonds is gone, it's really attracted people to uh, gold and other precious metals because if you're not getting any money anyways and credit ratings are falling, well, maybe gold's a better option. And certainly in the U.S., in the last couple of weeks, we've seen the U.S. dollar go down. And any time the U.S. dollar is going down, that's also very good news for gold. So it, it has, it's up in, in close to the $2,000 an ounce range right now, you know, which is realistically out of the reach of a lot of people, Ron. They can't get in there. <clears throat> Excuse me, is there another way to look at gold as some kind of a hedge in our portfolio here? Yeah, well, there's a number of, wa- of ways that you can, uh, that you can look at, at gold. Number one is if you, $2,000 an ounce, I, I admit, is pretty expensive, and a lot of people just don't have the resources to go out and buy one ounce or 10 ounce gold bars. But if you look at some of the offerings by the Bank of Canada, you'll find that they'll have coins that you can purchase that are one-tenth of an ounce. So a tenth of an ounce is around $200. Or you can get gold, small gold bars, in smaller denominations of half ounce and even less. So there is ways that you can own the precious metal if you want to own the bars or coins. 
you can do it in smaller denominations. And of course, if you can't own gold, they call it the poor man's gold, you can certainly own silver. And we're going to be talking about why silver might outperform gold here a little bit later on in the show. But silver coins, especially with silver at in the 20, I think at 23, 24 dollars an ounce when we were doing the show, uh, it's certainly a lot cheaper than gold, and you can typically get about 90 uh, silver ounces for one ounce of gold. So silver is just another way to play it that's probably more in the price range for a number of listeners. Okay, what about uh, what about performance of stocks related to this? Like, I mean, you could play a stock here, or you can play an ETF, I suppose. Is there is there a margin between silver and gold we should look at here? If you take a look at the 10-year performance, you'll find that in the 10-year area, gold stocks have really done virtually nothing. They've grown about 1% a year. Whereas over 10 years, gold bullion has grown at roughly 5.5% a year and silver bullion about 3.5% a year. So what's that telling you is that over the long term, it's much safer to especially own gold than it is to own stocks. A couple of reasons for that is because a gold coin or a gold bar can't go bankrupt. A gold stock certainly can go bankrupt. A gold stock can drill a hole and spend a lot of money and find nothing. Well, a gold bar doesn't do that because it's in production. But if you look at the short-term court, the short term, this is where when you're in a bull market and gold's really running, this is where precious metal stocks really outperform the bars or bullion. In one, over the last year, gold stocks were up about 60%. And gold itself and silver, they're up about half of that. So over the short term, what we're seeing is that gold will not nearly perform as well as the mining stocks that actually perform it. So if you're looking for a more zoom, then obviously mining stocks have a, have a better attraction. And just going back a second, one thing I wanted to cover, because there's a huge debate on this, is the fact that people are saying, well, there is no inflation yet. Yeah, yet being the operative term here. Yeah, yet being the operative term. And the first thing they do, Gord, is they go back to 2007 and 2009, and they say, well, look at the banks. They nearly collapsed. And once again, the Federal Reserve rode to the rescue and printed trillions of dollars and bailed them all out. And all that printing didn't cause inflation. And the reason for that was the fact that Banks' balance sheets had virtually been annihilated. So the banks took this money and put it into their reserves. It's not like they spent it. They put it in their reserves so you didn't have money moving around, buying and selling things, creating inflation. You just had money sitting in a vault. Today, the Federal Reserve and governments, instead of having to bail out the banks, which in most cases, the financial institutions are in pretty good shape right now. But they had to bail out the taxpayer. <laughs> yeah, they're bailing out the taxpayer. So they're giving the taxpayer money. And I know if, if I was getting in that situation where I was getting money, I'd be spending money on school books, on clothes for my kids, on rent. I'd be going to the store and buying food. 
That's money going into the economy. And when money starts going into the economy and circulating, that's where you start getting inflation. So this time is definitely different. And the printing they're doing is far more inflationary than what they did in 2007 and in the past. And I, I've never been able to figure out, Ron, and, and I don't know when this took place. It's probably a couple of days, a couple of decades ago. But didn't they remove food from the inflation index? Like, uh, yeah, and you can't deny groceries have gotten more expensive. I think there's inflation on food, but it seems to me they took that out of the equation a few years ago. Well, I think that food is still in the equation, but they measure um, they measure two different types of inflation. Food and energy tend to be more volatile, and so uh, they've adjusted the inflation numbers to reflect different things. And frankly, if you go back, and there's a, a number of websites that you can go to, and I'll try to, I'll try to get them for uh, the next show. They're just a good reminder to people that over time, how governments measure inflation has changed dramatically. And so if we were using sort of the same statistics that we were using 20 years ago, same methodology, what we'd find is we'd find that inflation right now would be far higher. I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, but I've got a friend who's an engineer, and looking at just the things he spends money on, because he has a spreadsheet, and he tracks everything he's done, and he's done it over 20 years. So he's tracked his rent, his food, what he spent for car repairs, gasoline, you name it. He's got a typical engineer. Right. He's, he's got it. He's got a spreadsheet that must have 40 columns on it, and he's tracked this stuff, and he's found that over 20 years, the cost, his personal rate of inflation, because everybody's a little different depending on how much they spend, but his personal rate of inflation was about 5 5.5%. And, you know, looking at my expenses over 20 years, I'd say that's pretty reasonable. Anybody that tells me that how inflation affects me is only at 1% to 2% a year, that's just not the way it is. Yeah, I'm I mean, calling balderdash on that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So inflation is probably a lot higher uh, than the inflation numbers are, are showing. And certainly um, there's, a, there's a shadow, uh, it's called a shadow website, and I'll get the exact uh, um, call uh, numbers for it. But it, it shows that over the years, that's the number they reach, too, that inflation is a lot closer, about 5%, than the one or two that the central banks are saying. Well, and we've talked about this over the past few shows in reference to all of the money that's being pumped out there. We, we've said it more than, well, several times. We, inflation's coming down the road here somewhere. It just has to. So now, if we turn back, so what are the investment implications of all of this in relation to, to precious metals? Well, if you look at the performance numbers we just talked about, if you're really, really bullish on the metals and you think things are really going to run here, then you want to focus on precious metal mining stocks. They give you the most bang for your buck, but they also have the most risk. Like I was saying, uh, gold coins and gold bullion can't go bankrupt. And uh, mining stocks especially, uh, they are really a boom-bust story. So if you want to get into mining stocks, do it with a provisio that they are not the kind, you don't want to have the kind of relationship with 
mining stocks that you do with, let's say, a utility. You don't walk down the aisle with it, put it in your portfolio for 30 years and leave it. Mining stocks are trading vehicles. And so when you get a good run on the mining stocks and they get overvalued, you've got to take some profits on them. Over the longer term, you're a more conservative investor. You don't like the volatility. You just want to buy and hold. Well, probably your best exposure is just to buy physical gold and silver coins. Or, and I would prefer gold because gold is a lot less volatile than silver is. Buy the gold coins, put them in your safety deposit box, and just leave them there. And you can buy them like the Mint has them in 10th ounce uh, uh, pieces, so it doesn't take a lot to buy them a little bit at a time, and you, they can really add up. And the reason I'm saying gold coins or gold bullion, and of course if you have physical silver as well, but what happens if we get a debased currency and we get a currency collapse? Well, if you go to Weimar, Germany, and uh, you look back through history, when currencies became debased, one of the things you could always do was gold coins would buy you dinner, or buy you food. It, would, it became the de facto currency. So if you are buying it for insurance like I do, uh, I think the physical is the way to go, and I just store it in my safety deposit box. So the question that pops into my head here, Ron, is if the time comes when you have to sell it, is it difficult to divest of it? Probably not. Well, if, if times get rough, the demand for gold and the demand for silver goes up so dramatically that what we have is the spread or the fees that normally are associated, which can be quite hefty uh, for owning the physical, they tend to disappear because the higher the demand, the, the more those fees tend to shrink. If you're in a, in a market that, that shuns gold and silver, uh, the best way to play it is to buy a gold bullion exchange-traded fund. There's one on New York. It's called GLD. And it, uh, it, for example, and it's easy to trade. It has very low spreads between buyer and seller. There's not a lot of extra fees. I think the, the storage fee is about half a percent a year, which is very, very reasonable for this. And so if you're, if, uh, you're worried about you might have to sell it, and you might, and you're doing it more for to trade, then I'd say uh, gold ETFs are the way to do that. If you still want to be in bullion, but uh, you want to be a little bit more active, uh, there's not the fees associated, which makes it a lot cheaper to trade it. Would would it be wise to maybe put a little bit of money into a silver ETF and a little bit into a gold ETF? Yeah, well, you know, I think if you take a look at silver versus versus gold, currently. In our market today, uh, they call it the gold-silver ratio or the silver-gold ratio. And that ratio currently, 90 ounces of silver equals the value of one ounce of gold. This is more than double the long-term average. Typically, it's 40 to 50 ounces of silver equal one ounce of gold. And what this means is that compared to gold, silver is really cheap right now. And silver's been in a bear market for the last nine years, but demand's improving. And here again, because gold's gone up so much, people are starting to buy silver because it is a lot more economical to buy silver than it is to buy gold. So all of a sudden, you're starting to see silver performing like its more glamorous cousin. And silver typically outperforms gold in the later stages of metals bull markets. 
So if you take the six-month period starting in 1979, August, or you take the nine-month period, uh, certainly starting in August of 2010, in both of those occasions, silver outperformed gold dramatically. So if we're in one of those situations where we're a little later on in the cycle, and gold's been running now for a year and a half, two years, maybe it's the time in the cycle where silver starts to outperform. So if you're looking for silver versus gold and you're looking for more upside, well, silver might be the one that outperforms gold here, and we could be three times lucky with having the same kind of performance versus one to the other as we saw in 1979 and again in 2010. Okay, final question on this topic. Is there a percentage? Do you have a formula that we should be putting in our portfolios in this regard? Well, I'd say for the average investor who's who's more concerned about insurance, and that's how I buy uh, my my gold and silver, is I look at it as being an insurance policy, and I'm not terribly concerned about the upside. And I typically buy gold coins and bullion on a regular basis. But I'd say if you're a cautious investor, you know, put 5%. If you really think that things are going to unwind, maybe have 10% of your to 15% of your portfolio in gold or gold-related stocks. And if you're absolutely paranoid, you think that the world's going to collapse, well, you know, maybe 50% or above. But here again, uh, gold is not the only thing that performs well in times of inflation. Real return bonds, which are indexed to inflation. Real estate, which tends to do very well in times with high inflation. Those are some of the assets you can use. And generally, the, asset, the definition of an asset that does well in times of inflation is that it, it weighs something. So if you drop it on your toe, uh, your toenail will turn black and fall off. <laughs> and if you look historically, and we've covered this on previous shows, is the fact that you know, over the long term, copper has actually outperformed gold, and other things have done actually quite well, including farmland, including farm commodities, including lumber. So there's a lot of ways to play uh, inflation. And so the basic rule of thumb is that if you start seeing inflation, gold or silver or even mining stocks are just one of the tools you have to protect yourself and, and to maintain your buying power if inflation, which I believe will uh, rear its ugly head again. And if that happens, you want to start overweighting your portfolio in inflation assets, as they call them. Okay, before we uh, head off to our next episode here, we had a, an inquiry from a listener. James writes to us and says, I'm just wondering what you think about Intel, uh, the chip maker. It has dropped significantly over the past week or so. I don't have exposure to the technology sector. I'm just wondering if you think Intel might be an opportunity. What's your thought, Ron? Well, Intel took a beating because the company came out and said that it is developing 7 nanometer technology, which is to make chips even smaller than they currently are. And that the technology to do this was supposed to be rolling out here um, pretty quickly. When they came out and announced that they're six months behind schedule, all of a sudden that put other competitors who've already mastered the technology way ahead of them in the game. So the stock had actually 
strong earnings for the quarter, but because it's going to fall behind technologically, the stock took a beating, and I think it dropped about 15% in one day, and now the shares are down from $70. They're down $20 a, a share uh, from where they were. So uh, Intel is really, really outperformed here, and uh, this is what I call a patient stock because I think they will be able to develop their 7 nanometer technology and then after that their 5 nanometer technology. But in the meantime, the competitors are going to get ahead of them. Intel's always been a powerhouse. They've changed management. They put new people in charge of production. And uh, historically, uh, this company has been able to, to catch up, and I think they will again. So uh, I wouldn't have any problem... Um, you know, my opinion would be I wouldn't have any problem buying it for my own account here, and uh, but I think I would want to exercise patience because uh, it's going to take them six months, and even then they're going to uh, orders will go elsewhere in the meantime. So they are going to lose some market share. It's going to take them a while to build it back, but 11 times earnings with a two plus percent dividend, I think Intel is uh, is a solid company and one of the few cheaper ways to play the tech sector. Well, and they've been around forever, and they've been a behemoth for a long time, too. So, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Remember, if you have a question for the financial coach, Ron Hebert, you can reach us through our website at letsmakemoney.ca or through the cfcw.com website show us called Making Money. We're back next week with another installment, and we're going to delve into what's going on out there in the landscape, Ron, about recovery. That's a word we, we keep hearing Question arises, what sort of a recovery is it going to be? We're going to dip our toes into those waters? Absolutely. We are going to look at the alphabet of recoveries. V-shaped, U-shaped, W-shaped, and L-shaped recoveries. And we're going to talk about what they look like, what they mean to the economy, what they indicate about the future. And if you have each of those types of recoveries, how do you play that? What do you invest in? What should your timing be? We'll get into all of that next week. Okay, we'll talk with you then. Ron Hebert is the financial coach, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us on Making Money. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.